0: and subscribe to receive our latest articles and special offers. And the best part, it's all free, just for you. Hello, and thank you for joining me. My name is Randall DeHart. I'm the uh, contractor's accountant here, and this is my podcast, the Contractor Success Map Podcast, where we remove contractors' unique paperwork frustrations. And today we have a, a, a new guest. His name is Daniel Bowling from SmartTraders.com. Daniel, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, Randall. So glad to be here.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, Daniel, I'd like to start out with having you... uh, Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be where you are now.
1: Well, I guess it's hard to uh, recognize what's unique about your own self, but starting from the beginning, I guess uh, I was born on a farm surrounded by tradesmen. I um, helped out in a lot of construction jobs growing up, so I really started to develop a certain kind of mindset watching these people that I was so amazed that they could build anything and then as I went on through high school I went to a uh, vocational school for automotive and my I guess love for just trade-based businesses grew even stronger without me realizing it and then I passed up the chance to go to college didn't think it was right for me at the time I always thought I'd go back eventually and I I still might still want to mm-hmm. for my own personal reasons but I just something didn't seem right to me, though. As I, I watched all my my friends go to college, and then I went into the trades first as a commercial drywall finisher, and then stumbled into just upholstery, furniture upholstery, which was very unique to me because I'm used to being the laborer on the job site, pick up two sheets of everything to show how strong I am, or just to get it done quickly, and then. First day in an upholstery shop, I went to grab a whole stack of cushions, and he, the owner told me, like, whoa, take one at a time so you don't get them dirty. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and let me tell you, it was indoors, out of the weather. I didn't have to lift more than I can handle because we didn't want to get it dirty. It was just like, wow, I could get used to this. <laughs> yeah, so then once I started learning that, I Quickly, started picking it up. The old man that had been done it for like 55 years, the business owner's dad, who taught him as well, told me to stick with it. He said, it's a dying trade. All my friends are dead, literally. Like, you're going to be the youngest one in this. And I listened to him. I stuck with it. And like four years in, all my friends are graduating from college and most of them are looking for jobs. They couldn't find jobs. And as much as I believe there's value in having a college education, I would never tell anybody, nobody to go to college or tell somebody not to go to college or even argue the trades versus college. Like some would like to argue. Mm -hmm. I value skill sets on top of having that college degree. So they come out without having experience. Nobody wants no experience. They want you to either have a college degree or they say they want you to have experience. You can't have both when you're first out of college. So here I was, four years into learning a trade, making decent money. And I know if I stayed at that path, that mindset of just barely getting by as a tradesman, they would have passed me up eventually when they got out of college, started getting jobs and then raising their incomes. But I I just wasn't happy at that level. So I really worked hard to better myself and keep learning the trade and keep setting my sights higher. And then I just vowed I'd, I'd always Just give the advice to any young person that if they're not sure about college, I'm not going to talk them out of it, but please uh, consider doing like an apprenticeship first or go work somewhere real hands-on, get some experience, and then make a decision what you want to do for your college education. And then moving on, you can take what I'm working on now, take the mindset that you learned from college, from working with multiple different people in multiple different trades, and just all these different experiences that you can gather because you really went about it purposefully and apply that into your own small business if you that's what you want to do or apply it to other people's businesses and you will really stand out and you'll always have a paycheck. Learn the skill sets first, then educate yourself, and then you'll never have to fear a layoff in your life. And that's where I really want to come in and help trade-based businesses become more entrepreneurial, be smarter about their actions, and stop just owning their own jobs and barely making a paycheck.
0: No, I like that. I like that a lot. So, Daniel, let's kind of focus on uh, a lot of our listeners around the country. are They have businesses. We have a lot of people with just dog and pickup truck. We have the folks that are salt of the earth, professionals, and, and a few enterprise level. And I, I'd like to sort of hone in on that dog and pickup truck, that single proprietor, and the person would say two or three employees, and the person would say up to 20. Because that's the people we're really talking to here. What advice would you give that person? Two personas. The one persona is the, the individual who is skilled in a trade, and they're thinking, I need to break out of my own. What advice would you give that person? And the second part of the question is, what advice would you give that person who has plateaued? In other words, they have three employees, they'd like to grow more, or they have a certain volume, and they want to grow more. What advice would you give those two different personas?
1: (laughs) Well, the quick first answer would be to uh, they need to find each other (laughs) because uh, the person that is ready to go out on their own is going to need allies, strategic alliances, not necessarily partnerships, but somebody that can help them get through the lean times and also still mentor them with more years of experience. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, the person who is – just plateaued, they need to mix something up. They need somebody that can they can rely on as well so that they can focus more on selling the work and not just doing the work and then Mm -hmm. not have to fear of growing too quickly because they have this backup, this person that they build a relationship with, under the understanding that they they're separate companies, basically contractors Mm -hmm. to one another, but the guy that is plateau can sell the work without fearing bringing on more work than he can handle and looking bad to the customer because he's working together as an ally with this other person. So I think focus on your relationships on both sides. And then, so to break it down and have, not that I want to keep rambling for your audience, but to break it down to separate answers, mm-hmm. the um, start with the person who's plateaued. I think that, they need to start thinking about where their work's coming from and then following that work all the way through the process and just really seeing why they've plateaued. Because that Mm. that, which is not measured can't be improved. That's kind of a mix of the actual quote, but Mm -hmm. you have to understand the process of the work as it goes through your shop. So then you need to pinpoint, is it what needs the immediate uh, attention? Is it the sales? Do you have the workforce that can handle the sales? Or is the sales debt? Are the sales not coming in? Or are there there too much sales, but you can't keep up with it? Or is everything running so smoothly, but you're still not profitable? Because that's another issue on itself. And that might be something that you could help them with on the book
0: side of things. Uh, yes, we, we do quite a bit there. This is interesting, Daniel, because you're proposing something that's, that's been around for a long time, the strategic alliance, the um, cooperative um, ventures, the joint ventures, this sort of thing, which is fantastic. And we have a lot of construction clients around the country, and quite a few of them do form alliances, joint ventures that are contractors. Um, oddly enough, a lot of contractors are concerned. They they kind of want to do that, but they are concerned that's going to lose control of their business. And it sounds like that you have a have kind of dialed in how that can be done. So if you could just spend a couple of minutes um, going in more depth on that, I believe that's going to be a real powerful key to our listeners. And especially if that's something that you can counsel and mentor them on.
1: Yeah, I, I do believe that sometimes it does take an overseer mm-hmm. because um, you can only trust somebody as much as they can trust you, and without knowing each other, you, you kind of you're off to a rough start. You got to work on building that relationship. You never really know if you can trust them, but if you, maybe if you have an overseer that kind of knows how to develop these type of relationships, maybe it's somebody that manages a mastermind or a local like commerce group or something. Maybe there's somebody that already has a small business group that they oversee in your city I mean, you have to look into these things. But I would say reach out and find somebody that knows what they're doing would be helpful. But I would say a, a good place to start is to stop fearing losing your business because <laughs> keeping everything so close to your vest has only gotten you to this plateau to this point. You're going right. to have to try something different to move forward. Right. So I never fear losing business to anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of um, how do I help the trade as a whole? How do I help the industry as a whole? And mm-hmm. if, if I can be the one selling the work, I don't care if you do it. I mean, <laughs> we'll figure out how to make it work. Let's just get all sure. the work, all of it. So
0: <laughs> I like that. Get it all. Get yeah. it all. Yeah. Maybe That's one excellent. person
1: is not as good at selling it as the other one. Mm -hmm. Figure out your strengths. Sit down and write it out just like a partnership. Figure out who does what so there's no hurt feelings or expectations that aren't met down the road. So I would say definitely treat it just like a business partnership, even though you're not jumping into bed as a business partner.
0: (laughs) Right. Oh, I totally agree with that. That makes sense. So you've identified a couple of good points, and you're suggesting, I totally agree, the mastermind group, which is – Are you basing it on Napoleon Hill's works?
1: That's where I first heard about it, yes.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. Napoleon Hill describes it in detail. Um, I'm a member of a a few mastermind groups myself. And the other two that I work with extensively are the Chambers of Commerce. I love those. And the various trade organizations. Um, There are a lot of trade organizations in every industry, upholstery and building and everything else. So those are three good resources where people can go. And form those alliances. That does that make sense?
1: Oh, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I think you're kind of dialed in here. I, I want to help the the listener to get a really good feel of exactly what it is that you do and at SmartTradesman.com and what services that you bring to the uh, the industry. And it sounds like you do more than just construction. You all tradesmen, so it could be upholstery, it could be Carpenters, I'm going to presume it could even be coders, uh, software coders.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that. I'm working on actually developing the definition, because I think the definition of tradesman is ever-changing these days.
0: Mm-hmm. It uh, is.
1: Yeah, there, it really is. There's a lot more technology being incorporated. I actually, I've interviewed a software engineer who, mm-hmm. funny enough, I even interviewed a um, sign language translator who has all of these people I've interviewed have all the same issues? If you take the trade out of it, the specific trade sounds like you're talking about the same business. The business model is the same. We struggle okay. with all the the new people coming in that don't really take the time to learn it well, and then with the economy being so wishy washy, people that don't really know how to do it well are coming in and undercut, undercutting us and hurting the trade across the whole. And then finding I, good help. And I mean every I mean, you would think that Sign Language Translator wouldn't have the same issues, but they do, apparently. Really? It was really interesting, yes. So <laughs> So what I would like to do is define that business model. What are we talking about here? And I'm starting with what I know best and that's more of the typical trades and then going from there. But I really think that it's somebody that fits that business model, if you need to figure out how to grow with the skill sets that you have, then I think that we could help you because we're really approaching it at a base level and reaching into all these different trades toolboxes per se and figuring mm-hmm. out what works in this trade that this trade doesn't know about.
0: Oh, okay. Kind of like a, a mental cross pollination
1: Yeah. And it's a great way for me to get all this out of my head because for Couple of years, like I've been ready to explode, thinking like something needs to be done, because mm-hmm. my brother's a metal fabricator, my friend's a uh, genius mechanic, and I have carpenter friend, and like I'll run into a problem with upholstery, and I I can't fix it, and then I'll talk to one of them, and they give me an obvious answer for their trade. Well, why don't you use mm-hmm. this? And I'm like, well, because I didn't know that existed <laughs> till this point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is great.
1: We need to be communicating not just within our own trades, but. As a whole, because there's things that are working, even in online business, that would go amazingly well with our skill sets. I mean, just the idea of having an email collection service to send out a simple newsletter. You can get a free MailChimp account and start keeping track of your current customers and staying in touch with them once a month. So during your slow times, you can say, hey, I'm running a sale.
0: Right, right, right
1: it'd be so easy to apply these online business strategies to an offline small trade-based business. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Really what I'm trying to do is really, I'm it's an ever going learning process for me and I'm sharing it as I go. And what I would like to do is if you need help along the way, obviously I'm there to help. And then through the podcasts, the experts that I get to listen to and ask my questions and they give me their time I'll take the customer's questions or anything that I think will help the customer, and I have the experts address it, and I just hit record, and you're along for the conversation.
0: Oh, that's excellent. What a, a smart idea. But, you know, that concept has been practiced for basically hundreds if not thousands of years, and there was a guy I used to um, attend at was called Dan Kennedy, and he was a real fanatic about telling everybody to get in your car, Go to the industrial parks, no matter what you're doing, and just stop in and get a conversation with as many people as you can to talk to you in the industrial parks that work on cars. They fabricate steel. They do upholstery. It's just a whole bunch of things. And just spend a few minutes. And he said, one of the easiest ways to do that is go to the donut store and get five dozen donuts and take a dozen donuts and say, hey, I want 15 minutes of your time. I'm not your competitor. And he said, you learn so much. Of about what happens to your own business. And I've done this several times. It is extremely valuable. So I totally agree with what you say. But the nice part now, with the online world, as you say, we can do it from the comfort of our own chair.
1: <laughs> Although I'm going to steal the donut idea. I just moved to oh, a new please. city, and I am I want huh? to start meeting more small businesses and really get involved here in Columbia, South Carolina. I sure. I think I might do Make a couple of pit stops with some donuts and make some friends.
0: Oh, do that, Daniel. It works like a charm. Um, we have a, a process for our clients our construction clients. I tell them I said if you're if you 're slow, go get five dozen donuts it 's going to cost you you know twenty five thirty bucks get get a, a dozen donuts and target that general contractor or that building owner that you want to work with and drop by a box of donuts i don 't care i 've had situations i 've done this many times. And I've had situations where I drop off donuts and the reception person says, well, you know, um, I can't eat sugar or I don't like donuts. And I respond and say, I understand. Do you know somebody else who might want some donuts? And they always do. Now, a little word to the wise, because I'm huge into marketing, I would suggest you make your own decision, but I do this quite frequently, take a business card and tape The cellophane tape, a business card on top, bottom, and all four sides of the box.
1: That's very smart. I thought you were going to say tape one to each donut.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you could staple one to each donut. No, I couldn't do that. (laughs) But if you tape that business card to all the sides, it's funny how powerful that is. And we did take, we tried flowers, and that did not work out at all. Because flowers are so. Uh, personal, you know, people. I love roses. I love carnations. I don't like this, and but donuts. It's funny, you know. They're they're fattening. I, I love donuts, but nevertheless, it's a very powerful tool. Yeah, I'll try that and see how it works for you, because it's been very powerful for our clients.
1: Yeah, I'm really um, really liking that idea, and I'm really close to the USC or the South Carolina College or whatever is here, Gamecocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, I really – I want to maybe figure out a way to incorporate maybe having some type of meetup for students that are in some of like these design courses or something because oh. I think that um, incorporating a new mindset into these trades is also key. And starting yes. young and getting more people interested I think will go a long way when we are in such a skills gap where the the average age is – what 50 or something of a skilled worker
0: yes yes it is
1: so i I think that getting younger generations involved and approaching it from the beginning i think is key also you can't just start in the middle and say let's grow your business we need to also bring in the skilled workers to help because one of the main issues in every small business is i can't find good help
0: oh damn it's all right we hear that constantly yes yes
1: the one or two key people will make or break your business.
0: That's right. That's exactly right.
1: But then that being said, those one or two people can't be your retirement plan either. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) So what I'd like to do is be able to create a resource for all the way from apprentice stage, getting people interested and educated about the trades Mm -hmm. and walk them through learning the trade of their choice, starting their own business, and then from apprenticeship to retirement, which retirement is not really a used word in the trades, but I would like to make it used.
0: <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a good thing. Yeah. A lot of times uh, people don't retire. They, they unfortunately don't work till you die plan.
1: Except for upholsters. Uh, upholsters never die, they always recover. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is good. Oh, I like that.
1: I did oh, make that it is up. Very good. A, uh, oh, no. Uh, a supplier. 10 years ago, gave me that on a T-shirt.
0: Oh, I like that. That is, that's, that's powerful. Very, very powerful. I'll
1: never forget it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. What, what are your thoughts on, on uh, systems like the Deming method and, and systems and processes?
1: I'm not familiar words, with the one you said.
0: Um, well, uh, W.R. Deming was a statistician who was, big into processes and systems. What I was getting to, because you had mentioned that with your upholstery business that you're able to build prices over a period of time, and it sounds like you introduced a number of processes into your system so that someone did the sales and someone did the production and, and that sort of thing. So, Do you see it possible to introduce processes and systems into any trades organization so that the tradesperson can say, here's a checklist on how to do this task, and here's a checklist for that task? Or are you more or- organic and flexible as far as the task is concerned?
1: I think at a, such a small level of business, you have to be organic and flexible no matter what the answer is.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: what you're describing, I would consider being more entrepreneurial and that's really my focus, is trying to bring entrepreneurship into these smaller trade-based businesses. And what I mean by that is a lot of us, we try to do everything, but we're the bottlenecks. There right. are systems that we can incorporate. And I'm not even familiar with the one you said, but that's the whole purpose of having a podcast. You would be amazed how many people will talk to me. So I'm out to learn about these systems sure. and uh, mm-hmm. find out what is out there. I think that systems are key. I think Finding one that works for you or even creating one that works for you mm-hmm. will free up your time, help you. Here's a new word for uh, these smaller businesses. Help you leverage yourself and your time. It doesn't all have to be you.
0: Oh, no. No, that's good, though. That's very, very true.
1: So, yeah, I, I like think that. They're very important, but they're also um, – it's like choosing a wife. You've got to be very selective on <laughs> which – which one you focus on. You have to find the system that's right for you. So, mm-hmm. uh, what I did was uh was kind of stumbled into it, this mindset by going on to work with a, a guy who ended up becoming a, one of my best friends and then future business partner. He went to school for industrial design. He was not an upholsterer. Mm. I went in being very talented upholster and no, not knowing some of it, but teaching myself the rest because all of a sudden we laid off about four people because they were just not good employees and we were either going to walk away from the company or figure out how to do it ourselves. So we let them go a lot of long nights and weekends. I self-taught myself how to sew what I didn't know. Up to that point, I was like mostly just applying fabric. And then I taught myself the rest of the trade. And what I really found – was the the key factor, was I did the quality. The quality in any business is assumed. You have to have a quality to a certain extent, or you're not going to be in that trade. But what is not assumed is the administrative side. That's usually taken for granted and forgot about. And my business partner, who came from more of a organized, he's just organized altogether. It's his Mm -hmm. personality, but he comes from a more organized background, from a different skill set altogether, industrial design. He rever- He had a job for a lot of years as an internship, reverse engineering frames for a furniture manufacturer, and that's how he first got involved in furniture. And then he was running this business, and then all of a sudden when we got rid of the dead weight, I was doing quality. He was doing administrative. All fronts were taken care of. We were able to be known as high-end and also... Incorporating things like AutoCAD and a CNC router for all of our frames into an upholstery trade, we were more than just upholsters at that point. We uh, we answered the phone. That was one big thing. We returned phone calls. We kept files. <laughs> we followed up on quotes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All the assumed parts were we do upholstery, but it was everything else that made us be uh, allowed us to separate ourselves from what anyone else would call competition.
0: Right, right. Well, you're the first person I talked to, Daniel, um, in upholstery that uses a CNC machine. That's that's an incredible tool all by itself.
1: Yeah, we never, <laughs> we never got the courage to take the jump into buying our own. We wanted to. Oh, okay. But uh, what we would do is we would uh, design it in AutoCAD, We had relationships with local people that had the CNC machines and we'd buy time on their their machines.
0: Ah, okay, okay.
1: And we were never to that point where we were big enough to, or even where we wanted the headache of managing and maintaining the machine. Right, right. Which goes back to not growing too quickly just because you think you should or you want to. We were smart in the fact that we didn't want that overhead, that extra... Cost we outsourced and knew exactly what it would cost us to have our frames done if they broke a bit or whatever or took twice as long as they thought it wasn't cutting into our pocket,
0: right, so you do what you do best and outsource the rest exactly
1: just because we that wanted works. a machine because it would have been so fun to play on.
0: Mhm, we were smart, and we didn't get one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I totally understand. We have a couple of clients that um do have them, and um. Yeah, they, I guess they're one of the top ten leading causes of Tourette Syndrome. But um, they do have value. So that was even smarter. What you did is you outsourced it. You bought time on it as you needed it, which makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, and I can't think of any specific examples, but if somebody's in a trade and they're thinking about going on a different route or they, they have this one high-dollar item that they want to get because it's their dream thing, mm-hmm. they have to ask themselves, is it going to bring in its own income to cover its cost, though? Absolutely. Because there's people that specialize in that one thing that will be happy to do it and give you a set cost, and that's their job.
0: Daniel, you're so right. We've got a quick example of that. We have a, a lot of uh, plumbing contractors in our client list, and the smaller ones with, you know say, less than 20 employees, every so often they'll call up in the springtime because they get yellow fever. Um, Caterpillar just came out with a brand new backhoe and it's got all kinds of goodies. And I suggest I said, you know what? You can go cut a deal with Hertz Rental or United Rental or any rental shop. You can cut a deal and they will actually lease you a backhoe either by the week, by the month. They'll maintain it. You pay a flat fee. If, it, if a hose blows up or if it has a major problem, you pick up the phone, call them. They bring you a fresh one out and they take the old one away. And, Unless they are using a thing constantly, the idea of leasing works out every time. I've had a few clients that decided to do their own thing and buy it, and the larger ones, it works out great. The smaller ones, they came back and said, I should have paid attention. We actually do a full analysis, financial analysis of them, buy versus lease, um, and show the numbers. The numbers reflect that. So, yeah, you guys did the right thing. You Bought time that CMC machine. And I told my contractors, you know, don't get yellow fever because the caterpillar came out of something new. Lease it, use it. If you don't use it, send it back. Life is good. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, it, I'm kind of getting a feel. It sounds like that you have an, a, a unique business proposition because you're more into helping the, the rising tide raises all ships. So I got to ask a silly question Do you have any competitors in your business
1: I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't think so I mean if, okay. if you're talking about upholstery yes there's other upholsters, mm-hmm. but it's yep. it's very artistic especially the way that I approach it I do work with some upholsters that it's it's more about just getting the work done and in that case that's why they charge half the prices that I do and it's just yeah. about pumping out the work and then they can compete with each other there you go But what I do, there's no competition. If somebody wants, I would say, just to commission me to do their work, then Mm -hmm. they'll wait for it. I have loyal customers that they'll pay any price. They will wait as long as it needs to be done within reason. And if I can't get to them, I take care of them because I I offer them a a solution of somebody that can do it, and I manage the process. So I'm not doing all of my own work, but Mm. I still get the prices because – I'm involved and I'm managing the process and I'm taking care of them and that's really what they're paying for.
0: Right. So they know they can call Daniel up and you'll get the problem solved.
1: Exactly. That's and they don't huge. care that there's somebody else touching the furniture as long as I'm involved they have the faith that it's going to turn out right. So is there competition that is, in that? I don't I don't think so because I'm If there was competition, not anymore because I'm bringing the competition in to do it for me, but then making sure they do it right.
0: So you're forming those strategic alliances with your competitors.
1: Yeah, in a sense, I would say so, but they have to be truly good enough. They have to be able to (laughs) make me be able to sleep at night knowing that they're not messing something up.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. That's really smart. It's a smart way to do it, and, and a number of companies have done that. Back in the 1920s, There was, uh, that's part of how J.C. Penney got started, was there were a bunch of tailors, and he began to sort of bring them together and say, you know, we can work together and and do some wonderful things. They've had some challenges in the last 10 years since, but the concept is fantastic to start with. Well, Daniel, let me ask you the, uh, another question. Is... Um, uh, In closing, can you tell the listeners um, how they can contact you and and learn more about what your services are?
1: Yeah, I think that if they listen to podcasts, they should check out my uh, Smart Tradesman podcast. By the time this goes out, it should be launched. And uh, from there, if they want to have any more conversations with me personally, they can reach me on my email, daniel at com. Yeah, the uh, very best way that they can find me, because I know your listeners are all driving in their trucks or in the middle of working. So just all they have to remember is to go to smarttradesman.com. And then from there, they can find my contact page. They can reach me personally through there. And then also, I'm not sure how many people actually fall into the Facebook side of things, which personally I never did. But that's where we actually have a community that I started for smart tradesmen and we're getting quite a bit of interaction in there so i'll have a tab at the top of smart where you can learn about the community as well and i recommend joining that start talking use it as a mastermind and just start communicating with other tradesmen out there who are doing the same thing you are which is trying to grow and come to a bigger better place and align their life that they want to live with the business that they want to have
0: well Daniel, I tell you, what, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. Um this podcast is gonna be one of our one of our better ones. and I say that about all our podcasts. We got great guests. Uh I want to thank you very much, Daniel, for being part of the, the Contractor Success Map podcast. And uh is there anything you'd like to have in closing?
1: No. Just uh educate yourself and if that means that by listening to my podcast that helps you get there and albeit but start reading books, start listening to audiobooks, listen to other podcasts, you can become bigger and better.
0: So just a, a quick takeaway. Uh, I understand you have the com, and you also are on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Tradesman. Is
1: that yep. your
0: community page? And that's also listed on com. And then your podcast is also, people can find your podcast on com.
1: Yeah, of course they can find it on iTunes and Stitcher as well, but it'll all be housed on the main
0: website. Absolutely. Okay, I'll make sure these links are in the article we're going to write for you. Well, Daniel, it's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Hope you have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you later. You too, Randall. Bye-bye. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on how to turn your contracting company into a process-dependent cash cow. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in.